Hi, my name is Amelia. I'm one of the co-owners of Yoga for All Musicians. I'm so excited to be here today. I am a trombonist and yoga teacher based in the Austin, Texas area. And I have been playing trombone for over 15 years and yoga has been in my life for, isn't that crazy? When you get older, you're like, I've been playing my instrument for so long. Oh yeah. Longer, th- longer than my students have been alive. Yep. <laughs> yep. I was about to say that. Yep. Oh my goodness. And then yoga has been in my life for um, about eight years. So it is such a joy to be here with my two best friends who are going to introduce themselves. We have created, in my opinion, the best of both worlds where both of our passions are combined. Yoga for all musicians. I'll pass it off to you. Hi. Okay. So I'm Brianne. Um, I am a trumpet player. I currently teach trumpet and um, some musicians wellness and lead the brass ensemble at the Crane School of Music at SUNY Potsdam um, and am the CEO and one of the other co-owners here at uh, YAM. And um, kind of, we all have different stories into how we got into this, but um, I was really fortunate to really dive into some um, yoga for musicians research and work through my master's and my doctorate programs. And that led me to um, leading some clinics and workshops, which then ultimately, most importantly, led me to meeting Claire and Amelia and uh, through Instagram as well. And so um, we we ended up kind of at the beginning of pan- the pandemic getting uh, going on, on this business, and it's become uh, something larger than any of us, I think, could dream of. So um, I'll let Claire kind of add the final little puzzle piece to it. Oh, we are puzzle piecing already. Um, my name is Claire. Um, I am a flutist and I am currently studying to be a therapist in Lubbock, Texas. So I'm in West Texas. Um, I went through the graduate music circuit and became incredibly burned out and had some uh, really difficult mental health challenges along the way that led me to veering from the path of wanting to be a college professor or an orchestral musician. Um, And now I work with hospice clients and I work with couples and uh, individuals and a couple of families as a therapist, which is really fulfilling and wonderful. Um, I am so lucky that I got started with music and with yoga at a really early age. I think I was an only child and my mom was just kind of like, what are we going to do with her? Um, (laughs) (laughs) What can we fill her time with? Um, and so I, I ended up, um, deciding that I really wanted to explore musicians wellness in undergrad, um, starting to teach some classes there, um, which led me to getting a yoga teacher certification. And when I got into graduate school, I knew that I wanted to study a little bit more in depth, the way that, um, musicians could be a little bit more holistically. Well, um, Mm -hmm. I think that we often get really pigeonholed into, going into the practice room and staying really still and not really taking care of ourselves, whether that's financially, emotionally, physically, mentally. Um, And I wanted to be a a voice advocating for the opposite. Um, So I decided to study at Texas Tech with Lisa Garner Santa, who has a creative arts um, yoga program and or, or course that I was lucky enough to get to TA. And through my work with her and my work at Texas Tech, I decided to make an Instagram about musicians, yoga, and I was somehow guided divinely to these two beautiful humans. And, you know, people say a lot of stuff about technology these days, but my two best friends would not be in my life without Instagram. (laughs) And this business, which I feel, I think I could speak for all of us, gives us such a sense of purpose and connection and is kind of a, is absolutely a, a dream come true, would not exist without the magic of social media. So we're really grateful to be here and we're grateful to offer 15 yoga classes a week to a community of musicians across the country that is so easily and beautifully facilitated by Instagram and mailing lists and websites and all of those beautiful things. That's awesome. And it seems like all three of you are, you know, both passionate about music, but also wellness as well as all three of you have touched on in your introductions. So um, I wanted to take a deeper dive into your business and talk about YAM just a little bit. Some of you kind of mentioned like how the business came to be, but can you dive a little bit deeper into, you know, how did you meet? 
how did we come up with this concept? How are you coordinating things? Or like, I know like Brianne's in New York and you know, you're living in Texas and like people are across the country. So um, I'm curious to see how that business, you know, came to be what inspired it. And then how did you make it like an actual real, you know, tangible thing for you? So how, how is that process? I um, will kind of start this story, at least I'm sure I'll miss bits and pieces of it. Um, But uh, as Claire kind of mentioned, she had started a, um, it was practice room yoga, the the Instagram um, on, you know, kind of offering yoga to musicians. Um, Amelia had been like a YouTube rock star doing a lot of those things as well. (laughs) Don't roll your eyes at me. So... Amelia's, Amelia's YouTube videos had more views than mine and Brianne's combined. So yes. the eye roll is unnecessary and yeah. unwarranted. Yes, Amelia. <laughs> yeah, she was killing it. And and um, I was in a place where like I was just finishing up my doctorate and I was like, what do I do with my hands? What do I do with my life? Mm-hmm. Basically, well, and um, I'm not trying to interrupt you over and over, but your dissertation was about yoga for yes. musicians. So you yeah. had all this knowledge too that you were like, okay. What do I do with it now? (laughs) Who who wants it? Who would like my knowledge? Can I please gift this to you? So, which is basically, I guess, my entire life as a teacher. But um, I, yeah, so so I was doing something similar on an Instagram as well. We all had these different Instagram accounts. And um, Claire and Amelia had connected at TMEA one year and started Mm -hmm. talking a little bit. Um, I would like message them a little bit here and there um, and just like, you know, we would kind of nerd out about some of the stuff, but like nothing, we didn't talk a ton. We just kind of like knew who each other were. We were all um, being asked to be on the same podcasts and stuff, but separately. And um, then Amelia also came to uh, the IWBC conference that was in Arizona mm-hmm. and I was presenting at it. And I just love this part of the story because it's the most Amelia thing ever. But I was like nervous because Amelia had a million YouTube Uh, views and she was sitting front and center at my my, yeah like beautiful (laughs) with a huge smile on her face front and center at my lecture on yoga for musicians and I was assuming the worst and I was like she is judging me so hard right now and I hope that everything I'm saying is making sense because she really knows what she's talking about and like you know kind of imposter syndrome kind of negating the fact that as Claire said this is something I had highly researched. Meanwhile I'm sitting on the front row like oh my gosh this is the most beautiful and intelligent human I have ever witnessed in my entire life. I want to soak up all of her knowledge. She is so incredible. Well, I also want to say that when I met Amelia, she had saved a seat for me at a workshop at TMEA. And I walked in and she like waved me down and pointed at the seat. And I was like, what does she want from me? <laughs> obviously has ulterior motives. Why am I such a bad guy, y'all? It's, not. it's that you are so magical that you can't be real. That everyone has a moment of brief doubt when they meet yeah. you. I think that's what it is. I think I think that Claire and I can both safely say that we have not not met somebody with such a light about them until you. Aww, so absolutely. that it, that that really um it, it like shifted everything for me actually and um we started working together um well we Amelia and I then got coffee and like did a little partner yoga video and that was super fun and then we started working together it was a really beautiful moment where we could have kind of fed off of our own insecurities and um, become more competitive with each other and Mm -hmm. stayed in our lanes but we instead decided to join forces and we did like a yoga challenge um, and and started working together and I don't want to monopolize this entire story so I will let somebody else kind of take over the the start of of yam. <laughs> yes. So we do this yoga challenge September of 2019. I know. I don't know where that date just like I, I pulled it out of my brain hole and <laughs> we, we did this yoga challenge and it was so fun. It was so magical. And we spent like the whole week chatting and then our, all of our lives kind of, can I cuss on this? Um, oh, absolutely. Okay, I cool. do it all the time and my students listen to it and I kind of regret okay. that, but that's okay. <laughs> so after that, all of our lives went to shit <laughs> in yep. their own separate 
ways Mm -hmm. and we kind of like lost contact with each other and we weren't talking as much and I was like no like I want to be friends with these girls but like I don't know how to cultivate this so fast forward to spring of 2020 Brianne reaches out to me and Claire and is like hey what do y'all think about offering some virtual yoga classes the pandemic is starting no one can go anywhere um I would love to create an offering and have you two in on it with me and I would just like to say that I wish that I knew that the pandemic was just starting (laughs) I thought it was going to be like a one month issue (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, Yom was kind of like a one month kind of idea. We were like, yeah. oh, while everyone's all closed up, we'll like, maybe we'll offer some virtual classes. No big deal. Very small beans, small, small potatoes over oh here. <laughs> so <clears throat> that moment was very special in multiple ways because that month was when we started talking every single day. And also that's when yoga for all musicians came about. I mean, we had the idea first before we had anything else. I remember having meetings where we're like, what are we going to name ourselves and how are we going to put these yoga classes out there? And, oh my gosh, we should start a social media page for this. And suddenly it was turning from, oh, let's just teach a couple classes via zoom into like, oh, we need a website. We need Mm -hmm. this to be a real business. We need a way to collect money. We need a bank account. We need to do X, Y, and Z. And days and months go by of talking through four hours of meetings per day. And then we had our dream come true, yoga for all musicians. Um, And Claire can finish up this story, I think. Oh my gosh. Well, that that's like the most beautiful part of the story is like our grand opening celebration. We had all these people come and it was really, really special. And I think very quickly we realized that this was something very unique, a very unique offering. Mm-hmm. Um, and we knew that before, but I think that when people started coming to classes and expressing the way that they were impacted by our offerings or the things that they were learning or the way that they felt their practice was shifting, we started to be like, oh, wow. Like, like we knew that this was impactful for us and we knew that holding virtual community would be something important, but hearing it reflected back was kind of jaw dropping for me. It was, it felt really life affirming. Like this thing that I knew, I knew that this would be impactful. I knew that people needed this. And then to hear them say, wow, I needed this. Yeah. It's, it's heartening, you know? And so we, since then we've taught masterclasses and workshops at UCLA for Conselmer Institute, for Shires, um, for UMKC, um, for the University of Oklahoma. Um, we've partnered with nonprofit organizations to bring mindfulness to their um, students in their private lessons. We have hosted workshops um, with physical therapists and mental health professionals and Black artists in the community to talk about issues that are facing musicians today. Um, And we have taught classes to people in Denmark, South Africa, Mexico, Canada, all across the United States. And this summer, we're actually hosting an in-person retreat in the Pacific Northwest that we only were dreaming of a year ago. So this has really blossomed into something beautiful and it ha- it's been because of our hard work, yes, but it's also been because of the radical vulnerability that our community has been willing to show up with. It's almost like they were waiting for a place like this and then we created it and they came rushing to us and we have the most wonderful, wonderful students and people around us. That's awesome. What an incredible story too. And for, for me, I was thinking of, of two major, you know, aspects of your, of your practice, of your business that this kind of brings up when we talk about, you know, issues of equity and things in the music profession. And one is that you're an all woman run business, right? So that's a huge thing in and of itself. And then also um, the issue of holistic health for musicians. And when we were, you know, you were uh, talking about your introductions and who you were, um, that kind of crept into the introductions already was the importance of physical, mental, and emotional health of musicians and how we don't really value 
that health all the time. You know, um, Claire, you're talking about like walking in the practice room and you're just sitting there and you're not valuing your own health when you practice. And so that's the first issue that I want to talk about is the health thing. And then we'll circle back to the whole woman empowerment and all the excellent work that you do in that way too. Cause I think it's awesome, of course, cause that's like the whole point of my podcast, but, uh, the health issue, and this is something that I've, you know, I've had guests on the show that, um, you know, are, do, you know, teach Pilates and Alexander technique and and yoga and all sorts of things. And we we talk about this value of musician health. And I think it's only until recently that people have started to actually put a lens on that and how much prioritizing all aspects of health is important when you are a professional musician and you are in the practice room. Um, And I, and I think this isn't something that's really necessarily happened until, until recently that people have actually started to have these discussions. That's why your business is so important as well as creating that space for folks um, to really focus on, on their health as professionals. So you know, you are all involved in health all the time and in what you do. Um, so how important do you think that that holistic health mindset is for professional musicians, you know, either from a personal standpoint or from what you've seen from your students and your, and your clients? Yeah, Cassidy. Oh my goodness. This is such a huge topic for us, obviously. Mm -hmm. And you're totally right that this was not talked about until very recently. I don't think it was until the 1980s that injuries were even discussed among musicians. It was always a very stigmatized issue where if you let people know that you are injured in any way, that reflects on what kind of musician you are. And then you're going to either lose your job or you're not going to get the gig or people aren't going to think you're a good musician anymore. And so no one talked about how they were feeling physically when they were playing their instruments. And there was a really brave cellist in the 1980s who came out and was like, I have a performance related injury and we need to talk about this because I know that other peers of mine have this as well. And so here we are 40 years later. And finally, we're in a place where musicians can talk openly and freely about the physical and mental issues that they have due to the extenuating circumstances of being a musician. Brie and Claire and I have all experienced uh, small muscle movement overuse injuries Mm -hmm. in our playing experience. And we've all also dealt with our own mental health issues being a musician, such as music performance anxiety and depression. And um, we are so passionate about creating a space where musicians can prioritize their health to not be scared to be like, hey, my wrist hurts today and ask for help with that and to give themselves the gift of, of yoga so they can be in a more balanced and healing place. Yeah. And I really appreciated your, your point talking about kind of that like toxic mindset that some musicians get into of like being perceived as weak or not as good as other musicians, if they are dealing with an injury or if they feel like they're not practicing efficiently. And I kind of compare this to um, like professional athletes, professional athlete is not feeling physically there or fit. Well, they have trainers for that they get help for that. So then they're on their A game. And it's like this really weird sort of ego mindset that people get into of not wanting to, you know, appear weak or like they're not being as efficient in any way in music. And like you said, there really haven't been resources for folks to like get help or express that they are feeling this way up until recently. And, you know, in a way we are kind of like athletes in that, you know, performing on an instrument is a very physical thing and it's very physically taxing, um, especially if you're spending hours in a practice room a day. You know, a lot of college musicians don't really prioritize their physical health a lot of the times. That's where we see a lot of performance related injuries. And I've, you know, my personally myself have witnessed people, especially Especially string players, you know, having issues with muscles in their arm or whatever. And they go to their professor and say, I'm having this problem. And they're like, well, you just got to play through it. Just got to stick it out. Just got to keep going. And then they end up, you know, with a major physical injury because they've been forced to keep going and just push through it instead of getting the help they need. So it, yeah, it is a very big issue for sure. Yeah. I would also argue that there is kind of a starving artist mentality that mm-hmm. is 
um, perpetuated in the field of music. And I, I think I got this from a really young age. And for me, it, it traces back to like marching band. Like if you're going to be in the marching band, if you choose to make music, that means you're going to sleep less than your friends. You're going to wake up at 6am to go to marching rehearsals. You are not going to have your weekends. You're going to be eating nachos on the band bus and that's your dinner. And it kind of it, it starts to program you like really subtly, really subconsciously that in order to do this thing that I love, I have to give up some aspects of my whole wellness. Yeah, I, I can't connect with it. my friends. Yeah. I can't eat what I want to eat. I can't show up how I want to show up. I have to be exhausted. I have to change clothes in the bathroom at the gross school, like, you know, it, between periods and get all sweaty in the Texas sun and then be a 14 year old for the rest of the day, you know? And I think that these things kind of get, um, they, they shape the way that we see our relationship to music making. And Mm -hmm. I think if I had to trace it back, no one ever really told me that you're going to have to make sacrifices for this craft. It was just something that was expected. And so then I showed up to undergrad and I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to practice as much every day as I want to practice, that means I'm not taking care of myself. I don't know how to take care of myself and also balance that. And so it's more important to be prepared for my lesson. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you can't have both, but I think there is this kind of pride that musicians have about how much they suffer for their art. And I think that we, just like Amelia was saying, we are just starting to slowly shift our focus or shift our frame of reference to include being a human and being a functional human and being a happy human into our artistry too. I, um, as we all do, I have so much to say. <laughs> like we, and, and I'm going to preface this too by just for those listening at home, I am in my office at school and I share a wall with my trombone colleagues. So if you're hearing some accompaniment, that's what's going on over here. But um, I think too, I have something that maybe even will segue into what we might talk about next. But I had the experience, I didn't necessarily have the starving artist um, experience just because I came from a family of musicians and I saw that there was food on the table and I was very privileged and grateful in that sense. Um, and I did, however, have the um, like no pain, no gain uh, mentality. Um, and I do believe that a lot of that comes from the fact that the people in power in music, and especially as a brass player, are men. And a lot of the time we end up internalizing that toxic masculinity that exists within teaching spaces. So we end up thinking that we will not be able to succeed and we won't be able to compete with the men that are succeeding if we aren't hurting ourselves as much as they are. And that is something that I so much have felt. And that doesn't, that isn't just because we are women. That is as humans, people, the people in power a lot of the time are, uh, it's a very old school way of thinking that we need to be grinding and we need to be working. And that's a really, really toxic um, way of approaching things. Whereas ultimately, if we're playing on injuries, yeah, you might be able to play the concert tomorrow night, but you're not gonna be able to play in 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I would, I want people playing forever like I that want to be you know like I in my in my goals in life I've always said that my number one goal is that the people that are passionate about making music are able physically and mentally able to do that for as long as they want and they only quit on their own accord not because they have hurt themselves physically or mentally so that's that's my rant about all of that talk about a fucking mic drop (laughs) That was beautiful, B. I've been holding it in. (laughs) That's awesome. No, and that's where my brain went as well. Just that whole, you know, when we're in a male-dominated field, right? And especially multiple of you play brass instruments, as do I. And so there's always that that pressure, right? Um, And and I I do agree with that. It's, I don't know, I, I, I do get that sense too, like just growing up being a female trumpet player, I had, you know, all that immense amount of pressure to always go harder, faster, stronger. And, you know, and and I think mentally it was just to keep up with everybody else and make sure that I was always like, quote unquote, the best, but at the same time, I was always just competing with myself. And I don't think I really understood that, but that's where that, that toxic culture kind of manifests itself. Right. It's always a competition. 
Yeah, and and what's the most frustrating is that the people that I actually see as the most successful mm -hmm. are taking care of themselves. It's the yes. it's the people that are that are not living the lives that they wanted to live that enforce all of these harsh, um, I don't know, philosophies and and thoughts on students. And that starts at a at a young age. It starts. I mean, we start solo competitions in New York in fourth grade. I did my first mm -hmm. competition in fourth grade. Like that is that that starts then. And I fortunately had great teachers that, you know, didn't guide me in that way, but that doesn't change who my colleagues were, you know, my, my fourth grade colleagues, my, <laughs> 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 but you know, the other trumpet players and the people that I was surrounding myself with just yeah. to be in music. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about all these issues, obviously your business is something that's trying to solve that problem, right? Prioritizing holistic health for all musicians. And so let's talk a little bit about what you kind of offer to, to folks that might be interested in becoming like coming part of your classes or something like that. So what sort of classes do you offer? Can you describe, I know I saw on your website, you have like different levels um, and that sort of thing. How do those work and, and what other services do you provide? The heart of what we do is providing financially accessible and um, like time-based accessible classes to musicians. Mm -hmm. I don't know a good word for time-based, um, <laughs> but we want musicians, no matter how much money they make and no matter how busy they are to have access to wellness resources that are happening in real time. And they can receive real-time feedback from teachers instead of reading a book and then trying to go through it in a practice room by yourself. So we have I think 15 classes a week on the schedule every day of the week, um, differing times during the week so that they can be adaptable depending on what your schedule looks like. Um, those classes range from a more yin practice. So almost complete stillness in a posture, holding a posture for maybe three to five minutes at a time, very calming meditative practice. We have a slow flow class. We have kind of a um, vinyasa-ish um, breath to movement, faster paced class. And we have a newer class on the schedule um, that is muscle action drills. So it's a 30 minute class and it will get you pretty sweaty, lots of strength building there. We also offer meditation classes and breath work classes. Um, and we have one class a week at 4.30 p.m. Central Time on Sundays. That is our most beginner-friendly class, and it's completely free. So you do not have to sign up um, or pay any money in order to attend. Um, you just sign up on our website and get an email and go to the Zoom link. Um, so we also have pricing plans for students, um, student price points, as well as lay people price points, <laughs> regular person price points. Um, and we try to be one of the most affordable yoga studios on the market while also valuing that we have teachers who are really freaking incredible. We have a staff of nine teachers, um, all of whom except for one have graduate degrees in music. And that one is finishing her double major in vocal performance and piano performance at Eastman. Um, so we have pretty incredible human beings to share space with. Um, and we are so excited to be able to offer that to people at, at a rate and at a time that feels doable for their lives. So yeah, no, that sounds really great. And I love that you also make your class is financially equitable for folks as well. Obviously you are a business, you are trying to make money doing what you do, but you do understand that, you know, there are people that are on the struggle bus sometimes. And so that's really awesome that you do, do offer that as part of your services. I also saw, I was doing a little stalking on your website and into all of you as well. So that's what I do <laughs> before I interview. Um, you have a summer retreat coming up, which sounds awesome. And you had mentioned that earlier in, um, in our recording. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about this retreat and what it kind of entails for folks who might be interested? Yeah. So um, we are going to be going to uh, just outside of Seattle Tacoma area in the Pacific Northwest we have a massive house um and our spots are actually like filling up which is really exciting and also like oh my gosh this this is happening <laughs> But um, it's a five-day retreat, and every day we'll have yoga, we'll have movement, we'll have meditation. Um, we also have different activities, so like hiking as well as um, some like kayaking or sailing. Um, it's it's uh, waterfront property that we're on, so we're very excited to kind of soak in the the water energy there. Um, and 
And we are going to be eating vegan food the whole week, uh, all provided by us, as well as um, just some merch for anybody that signs up. They get some free limited edition merch. Um, some of the additional activities we have, too, is we're hiring somebody in to come and do a gong sound bath meditation, which is I've experienced um, this before, and it's one of the most incredible things I've ever experienced. Um, and we'll be doing some yoga nidra, some uh, yin stuff. I'm sure I'm forgetting all sorts of things. Ayurveda, journaling. You. We have practice time built into the day. So if you want to bring your instrument and go out on the property and practice somewhere, you're more than welcome to do that. It is going to be such a, such a beautiful way to connect. I think that's really what we're the most excited about or what I'm the most excited about. I'll speak for myself is just having in-person connection with human beings that we have been loving virtually for days, weeks, months, years at this point, and being able to share that space in a way that also is very mindful of COVID protocol, um, that, which is something that we've spent a lot of time talking about and thinking about. Um, but yeah, Amelia, did you want to add anything? I was going to talk about our other special offerings, which is Claire's offering some Reiki while we're there and Ooh. you can take any private yoga sessions you want to with any of our teachers that are there. And I think the thing we're most excited about is that we're a trio, but if we were to add a fourth person in, it would be the Taylor Rossi, who is a Boston-based flutist and photographer and entrepreneur and website designer. She's incredible. She's going to be there taking photos for us, but she's also offering headshot sessions. So if you're a musician and you need headshots and you're at a retreat, you can schedule that in with her. So I feel like we just have so many fun things planned, um, so many different varieties of things that people can enjoy while they're on their little music getaway. That's awesome. And what I also love is you have scholarship available to people of color as well who might be interested in coming to your retreat, which I think is amazing. And again, you know, making things more equitable for folks to be able to participate. So I think that's really awesome. I'm super into this. This is like the one week during the summer that I may be free. So <laughs> I'm going to check this out please, for sure. Please. Yeah. Awesome. It sounds Absolutely. Really Absolutely. Yeah. And I was going to just talk briefly, super briefly about this, the scholarship, just because um, it is important for us that we acknowledge um, that that we are three white women um yeah. we, we are proud to be women and proud to all be queer and be a women and queer run business um however we're there are still some voices that need to be uplifted higher than ours and um that we want at the retreat and to also to have a safe space to be um held in community the way that we uh get to exist in it and so it's really important for us to do our best um and that's what we will continue to do to to provide that for um, people of color. So yeah, we have scholarship for that, which is um, has has been really exciting for us. Yeah. That's great. And so, you know, you have this retreat, you talked a little bit about your classes and your services. You also have some educational programs, which you did briefly mention, um, you know, some sort of masterclass sort of vibes you've offered and things like that. So can you talk a little bit about uh, in more depth about these educational programs and some of the collaborations you've done, maybe some highlights um, for each of you, some of those projects you've worked on? I think that educational programs are a really important part of what we want to offer to the community because I am a systemic therapist. So I look at things in the way that systems perpetuate cultures is, is kind of the way that I see the world. And so I think in music, the systems that we have in place do not really allow for a lot of holistic wellness, for a lot of talk about mental health, for a lot of talk about maintaining physical health. They're kind of old school. So while the, like we talked about earlier, while the mentality is moving forward and has in the past 40 years, and we're talking about things more, we're talking about things, but systemic change has not necessarily happened within the institutions that perpetuate that harm to people. And I could say this is true about wellness. I could say it's true about the experiences of people of color in music. Uh, many different, many different ways we need to progress and move forward. Um, but one of those small ways that we feel that we can affect change is by going to institutions or being hired by institutions or virtually presenting at institutions and talking to their students about ways that they can really implement 
movement, meditation, breath work, mindfulness into their days and into their lives in a way that allows them to be more mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally well, and feel more supported and feel more like they can show up as themselves and as not as some kind of productivity music making robot. Um, So that I think is especially important to us to feel like the people who are in school right now are perhaps getting a better education than we did in Mm -hmm. terms of well-roundedness and in terms of our bodies. And it's so necessary because, um, I, you know, speaking, speaking as somebody who is like literally right now, as we speak inside higher education, (laughs) inside (laughs) of college, um, I have some really brilliant and amazing and incredible colleagues. Um, I'm still one of last year, I was the youngest uh, faculty member in the school of music. I'm one of the youngest, meaning that we are at the forefront of something like we are, Mm -hmm. we are at the beginning of a movement, I believe. Um, So a lot of my colleagues that went to school before me, this is this was not part of their schooling. And so they're, they're scared to touch it, which is understandable, to be perfectly honest. Um, It's, it's totally understandable, because it's not a part of what their learning was or what they did. So we want to come in with our new knowledge and and to share that because because I think there is I I'm in a place of hope I think that sometimes it can feel a little bit um I I discouraging to hear some stories from people's college um education and experiences um I am in a in definitely a place of hope and optimism because I have been so beautifully welcomed into the higher education world with my with my knowledge of musicians wellness um, and, and I think that people want this, the right people want this at least, and the wrong people, hopefully they retire soon, but the right people want this. <laughs> and so if we can, if we can be doing this and providing it for them and being the experts when other people don't have this expertise, that is what we want to do. And I know that you wanted to know, I realized that you asked us like where we've talked and, and everything. <laughs> and I just like totally went on a rant, but totally fine. I, <laughs> I just wanted some hope there too. Absolutely. Well, and something that we haven't done yet, but we are very excited to offer in the future is providing music educators resources so they can teach wellness to their students. Yes. So I, <laughs> so glad you're so excited. I think back to like when I was in my undergrad, And I had a neck injury due to an overuse injury from my trombone. And I went to my professor and I was like, what the fuck do I do? Like, (laughs) how do I take care of myself? Mm -hmm. And he was just a trombonist. He didn't know what to tell me, you know? And so what we're hoping to see change in the future is music teachers being more knowledgeable and have tools in their tool belt to offer their students, not just their musical knowledge, but also the, um, mental and physical wellness knowledge that musicians need, especially when you are in a really intense uh, music program at the university level. So that is one of our hopes and dreams is to to allow teachers to have this knowledge so that they can spread it to their students. And then 50 years from now, there will not be as many injured music majors as there are now. Oh, absolutely. And that's something that I'm super passionate as well, because I teach fifth through 12th grade band. Um, I'm a band director myself. And I was in a very toxic environment when I was in high school um, with with my band director. And it caused a lot of tension. And I was, you know, afraid to frack notes. And I played like just super inefficiently. And I went to college and it took like my entire freshman year, my undergrad to just correct everything. And like, you know, approach music in a healthy way um, because of my experience in high school. And so now, you know, now that I'm a teacher, I'm trying to do, you know, the opposite of what I experienced in school. And so I do focus on a lot of wellness things as well. And so I think that's really awesome that that's one of your future goals, because I will definitely be like stealing your resources (laughs) Um, because I, I try to do that a lot with my students, not just, you know, physical wellness, but also their mental and emotional wellness, you know, given the, you know, the pandemic and now there's this war going on in Ukraine and students are expected to show up to class and just act like everything's normal, you know, and the life goes on, but it's not, you know, I don't feel fully 
well when I'm in class and I know they don't. Right. So um, for me, one of my goals is just being more vulnerable with my students and, you know, actually having real human conversations and not like I'm a teacher, you're a student, that sort of thing, you know, focus on mental and emotional health. I mean, I think I stopped class at one point. It's like a bunch of high schoolers in my room and we just started having a conversation right in the middle of class. And I was like, no one's stopping me and telling me, oh, you can't have this conversation about what's going on in the world. Um, no one's going to come into my room and, you know, give me a disciplinary action because we're not playing music the entire class. But I felt like we needed it, right? Like we needed to just chill and have a conversation. And I feel like there's just like a lot of pressure. Again, we're talking about this pressure all the time with musicians, but I feel like there's a lot of pressure for music educators to always just be on it and all the focus just to be on music all the time, no matter what the circumstances is. And sometimes you just have to like take a step back and just talk about everybody's social, emotional well-being, especially in today's world. There's way too many crazy things going on and we're just supposed to, you know, proceed as normal without having those conversations. So I, I really appreciate that that is that is one of your goals as well. I uh, just kind of wanted to hop in because this is something that's like extraordinarily pertinent to to my life right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to going to do a little like trigger warning for anybody with just a little bit of violence here. Um, So feel free to fast forward like 30 seconds if if that's not for you right now. Um, But this this past week, a week ago, um, Friday, uh, one of our students, our music students here uh, was shot. Um, just off campus and uh, really random um, as far as we know at this moment. Um, And she died in the hospital. And uh, as you can imagine, this past week has been unreal. Um, It has felt like the the floating (laughs) almost and um, just so much grief and despair through an entire community, an entire community community, musical Mm -hmm. community. We have 700 music students. So um, it's been really like, add add that, add the, the, you know, one mile radius of that to everything else going on in the world. All of the other shit that everyone is carrying with them, whether they're acknowledging or not every single day. Um, We need community. We need breath. We need stillness. We need vulnerability. I love it. Inspires me to hear you say, Cassidy, that you are working on being more vulnerable with your students because that's such a huge part of my teaching philosophy and what they need. They need to see us as humans so that when they feel unsafe, they have somebody to come to. Absolutely. that they and that that goes for any form of teaching, right? Or or being an advocate or a mentor or whatever that might be. Just having that person of safety. And it's been really beautiful to kind of like see those walls come down almost where um, I'm not just asking students how are they, but they're also asking me how am I? Um, mm-hmm. and it's it's like I wish that that, not that I need my students to ask me how I am every day, but you know, like that wall of like, I am the teacher, you are the student is coming down because we're all experiencing all of this at once. And it, it is, it just, it just kind of resonates in my mind of just how important talking about our mental health and how we're doing is because we're, that's, that's what community is. And so I think that kind of comes down to why we started YAM in the first place in a very roundabout way. I just did that. (laughs) (laughs) We're in a full circle. I love it. Yeah, no. And the the vulnerability pieces is, is super important. And I'm, I'm a person who has a disability. I'm type one diabetic. So I suffer with a chronic illness and it's something that affects my physical, my mental and my emotional health a lot. Um, Some days are worse than others. And like, I I talk to my students like, Hey, I'm having a bad day, man. Like I didn't sleep at all last night, you know, and and things like that. And then they realize, Oh, Miss Reed's human too. Like she's struggling right now. She's not feeling well. And neither am I, I stayed up studying all night for my AP world history tests or whatever. And just that sort of thing where we can have conversations about things that we're struggling with. And it's, it's really nice for me too, because I have multiple students who are type one diabetics and they know they can always come to me if they're having a problem. Like I always got sugar on hand. I'm like, I'm like the Skittle lady. I got Skittles in my pocket where like marching band rehearsal. I just like throw Skittles at kids. Like 
have a low blood sugar mystery, but um, it's, it's just great to, to have that human connection. I'm learning more things about them. They're learning more things about me. And, you know, education is all about building relationships and no matter what sort of education you're in. I mean, even just teaching yoga, like you're building relationships with your clients, with your students. And it's, it's all the same way in that full circle. And, and I believe that every person needs human connection with someone. And so if you are that someone for that person, then you are making their lives better and they're in turn making yours better as well and more healthy. Yeah. I will also say that I think yoga is a really important tool for this specific kind of growth. And I've been thinking about this and writing about this a lot lately. So you might see an Instagram post about this this week on (laughs) our Instagram. Um, But the world kind of teaches us that subconsciously it's one of those things kind of like I was talking about with marching band where you don't really realize you're learning it until it's instilled in you Mm -hmm. this deflection of the way that we feel or this deflection of our internal processes like something big and scary happens no it didn't you have an assignment due um I'm feeling like I'm really struggling because my grandma is really sick but I have a performance tonight so I can't handle it's it's this kind of presented with something big. And then we are encouraged to take that thing and set it aside and show that we're brave by deciding to push through and pretend like that big thing isn't happening. And yoga is the opposite. When you step on the yoga mat, you're not leaning out of difficult experiences. Instead, you're leaning in, you're putting your body in postures that feel uncomfortable, or maybe you find different sensations. And instead of saying, Oh, not dealing with this right now, you're very intentionally using your breath to help you sit with what you're feeling. You're very intentionally leaning in and saying, I'm going to immerse myself in the discomfort, in the newness, in the beauty of this sensation. And I'm going to let myself actually fucking feel it. Mm -hmm. And in a world where we aren't really ever allowed to fucking feel it, (laughs) yoga is such a beautiful space of practicing that skill. It's just like when you're in the practice room and you're working on your scales, you do your scales every day. And then you sit on the stage in orchestra and there's a run and you know, you can nail it because you practiced that scale earlier that day. It's the same thing. You step on your yoga mat every day and you practice sitting with newness and discomfort and intensity. And then when you step off of your yoga mat and into your life and those things come up, you are better equipped to believe that you can sit with it because you've been practicing doing it. Yeah. And for me, I feel like yoga for me is a stress release because I'm someone who holds tension and stress all the time, whether it's, you know, my job or things going on in my personal life or whatever. And so I will finish yoga for the day and I'll, sometimes I'll just sit there and just cry. And I'm like, okay, we're just letting it out. Stress release. Here we go. Because that's the only time that I had to let my body actually relax. And all of a sudden everything else kind of catches up for me. So like in a way it's my release And so it's, it's providing me with that time to actually focus on myself and prioritize myself and my needs in that moment, because, you know, in, in a service industry, because that's what education is, I'm never prioritizing myself and I'm always prioritizing others and taking care of other people. And I'm sure, you know, people that are in therapy that they feel the same way they're taking care of others, people that um, are in any sort of work with other people. They, they don't find themselves focusing on, you know, their needs enough at work. So that's the time that you have to really focus on what you need. Okay. So we're talking a little bit about some future plans for YAM. And we talked a little bit about uh, providing those uh, educational resources. Are there any other future plans in the works that you've talked about, noodled with, maybe thought of? We get asked the question a lot. The number one question (laughs) we get asked is, if we'll ever have an in-person space. Mm. Um, and that the answer is not no. <laughs> oh. the, answer, the answer is not no. And I do think that that is um, on, uh, on the, you know, horizon for, for us. Um, however, we also, I'm going to do like a little plug. Like we can't, we can't do that if we don't build our virtual space. So yeah. Um, the more that we can continue to build our community virtually, the more likely it is that we can land in a city near you, you know, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and and 
we also will never, I, I think I can confidently say that we will never lose our virtual component, even if that does happen, because it is so beautiful. I mean, Claire listed many of the places that we've taught yoga to, you know, um, and it's really amazing that we have this a platform to teach a yoga class where one person's in San Francisco and another person is in South Africa. Like that is a really great thing that we um, didn't anticipate being able to do. That was not in the list of goals, but it is something that I never want to lose now that we have it. So um, that's definitely something that we toy with, that we talk about. Um, another thing is a yoga teacher training, a 200 hour yoga teacher training. Um, this has been a really big part of um, all of our lives, obviously, for being here. Um, and I spent some time uh, managing a yoga studio and leading. I've led, I, I feel like Claire knows the number more than, better than I do, eight yoga teacher trainings total in my life. Um, yeah, thank you for confirming. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that is like really a, a big thing that, that we are interested in doing. Um, that's another thing that is just like, it's, it's, it, on the horizon, pending mm-hmm. pending budget. So we just keep working towards it. That's good. It's good to manifest yeah. some goals. Great. So if uh, folks are interested in, you know, either signing up for a class, trying some things out, maybe they're interested in the summer retreat that you have coming up. If one of you wants to plug all of your socials and your website and that sort of thing, how can folks reach you? Yes, it is yoga for all musicians for everything. So our, our Instagram is at yoga for all musicians. Our TikTok is at yoga for all musicians. Our website is www.yogaforallmusicians.com. Our email is contact at yoga for all musicians.com. And I believe that are, those are all the ways you can follow us and look up all our information and ask us any questions you have. <laughs> And we That's have an awesome. email newsletter too that you can sign up for on our website where we send you a little love letter to your inbox every Sunday morning. So we'd love to stay in touch with you that way too. I love that love letter. And it comes on Sundays, right? When I get the Sunday scaries, I'm going to sign up for that. So <laughs> that's awesome. Claire, Amelia, Brianna, I want to thank you so much uh, for your time, for sharing all of your wonderful stories, your experiences, and obviously Yam with all of us. I think it's an incredible resource. I hope uh, anyone listening checks them out, see, uh, sees if they want to join some classes, maybe the summer retreat. I know I'm going to think about it. So I'm excited about that as well. I got to figure out my summer schedule, but that would be really awesome. So I want to thank you all so much for your time again and uh, for chatting with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.